And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Digitech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left. Oh, I'm not. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. Great to have all of you with us as we roll on this Monday, July 24th. And wow, we are now literally just a little bit over a calendar month away from those August 31st FBS kickoffs. And we keep doing it with you as we want you right up to speed on each and every one of uh, not only your favorite conferences and divisions around the FBS, but your favorite football teams as well. This is Strong as Steel, the very finest podcast that you're going to find anywhere with regard to college football. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined, as always, by the author, no one does it better, of uh, Phil Steele's college football preview, and now all over the ESPN platforms that we need to tell you about, my partner Phil Steele. Hey, Phil, how's things? Good, Michael. How about yourself this morning? I'm terrific, sir, as we keep checking off days. How about that five weeks away now from kickoff time? And, uh, God, we can feel the excitement with everyone we talk to all over college football. You are now this year for the first time. You've done a lot of work with uh, with ESPN and the family of networks, but now you're, uh, you're full-time, raring and ready to go on every platform. Give our strongest steel listeners, Phil, an, an opportunity to, to catch you and – and how you're going to go about your ESPN side of things this year. Yeah, I'm very pleased to be a, a full-time uh, employee now of ESPN. And, uh, you know, the, with ESPN, I'll be writing for ESPN Insider. And a lot of folks say, hey, you have to pay for ESPN Insider. But, guys, it's $3.33 a month. That's a half a beer at a, at a ball game <laughs> once a month. And, you know, you not only get my college write-ups, I'll be doing NFL write-ups on every game this year for ESPN Insider, but you also get all the other sports. I mean, they have writers like myself. They focus on their sports, and we're talking about $3.33 a month, a month, not a day, to get all that ESPN Insider information. You'll see stuff on ESPN.com, sports centers, things like that. But uh, I do rec- highly recommend that you become a, a ESPN Insider member. Just $3.33 a month, guys. Yeah, just uh, more ways that you can uh, get all of the uh, the writings and uh, the conversation and the musings of our own Phil Steele as well as right here as we'll preview every, every conference in the FBS as well as the independents. We've hoped that you've enjoyed so far. This is our final stop of the Power Five as today, this Monday, July 24th, we are honing in on the Pac-12. And Phil, we're going to start with the uh, the Pac-12 North. Now, as we know, you know, the Pac-12, they, uh, they are proud to uh, be a part of the college football playoff. They have been. They were last year with the Washington Huskies. Phil, with the North, and we're doing these, by the way, in alphabetical order. So uh, we don't want you to uh, feel like this is our projected or predicted order of finish. It's not. We go alphabetically uh, by squad here. 
in uh, each and every conference, each and every division. So, Phil, we start in uh, Berkeley, California, and that would be with the uh, California Golden Bears. Now, uh, the head coaching change there once again this year. Former Pac-12 defensive back uh, and assistant coach, Justin Wilcox. He played DB for uh, Oregon and also a Cal assistant. He takes over five and seven a year ago, Phil, for the Bears. No bowl. They did get off to a three and two start, and they beat then number 11 at the time, Texas, in September. Followed that up by beating then number 18 at the time, Utah. Both of them at home. Phil, they got one season of quarterback uh, work, and oh, it was phenomenal out of uh, now in the NFL, Davis Webb. He follows Jared Goff, so they're used to big numbers. Uh, almost 4,300 yards that Webb threw for last year, 37 TDs. So, yeah, big, big numbers. Now, He's gone. Number 110 on your experience chart, Phil. Here, that, Real simple, we talk about this with all first-year head coaches, but, Phil, how, how quickly do you think Justin Wilcox, a former Cal assistant, can assimilate and get his new squad indoctrinated into his system so that they, they can be a presence in the Pac-12? Uh, I think it is going to take him a couple of years. This looks like a rebuild project here. First of all, I want to say, that I thought uh, Sonny Dykes did a great job at Cal, getting them to eight wins in 2015. And last year, uh, you looked at their schedule, and it was extremely difficult. I mean, uh, they had some big games at home, some most of tough games were on the road last year, and, and Cal almost got to a bowl game going five and seven. So I thought they had a, a good year for what they had coming back last year with just nine returning starters. Now this year, 14 returning starters. So that number goes up, but first-year head coach, got to learn the players' strengths and weaknesses, got to feel some of those players may lose their job this year. Uh, and so it may be not as experienced as the returning starter number would indicate. And as you pointed out, Michael, number 110 on my experience chart uh, you look at uh, all nine sets of my power ratings are actually calling for them to be home for the holidays. They've got a, a two quarterback uh, battling for the job, Ross Bowers and Chase Forrest. Trey Watson at running back, 709 yards last year, and a solid five yards of carry. They've got some talented receivers. Now, last year they had a brand-new receiving core, and this year they've got a veteran group. Demetrius Robinson, the top guy back, uh, he was one of the top recruits coming out of high school, PS number two when he came out of high school, a feather-in-the-cap signee for Dykes, and he figures to be the top guy this year. Up front on the offensive line, you got some questions. Dwayne Wallace, a guy that – uh, transferred out in uh, June, uh, leaves at the right guard spot. So they have basically one half returning starter back, and that's really going to be the biggest question mark here. They've got a new offense coordinator, Bo Baldwin, and Bo Baldwin, interestingly, was the head coach at Eastern Washington from uh, mm-hmm. 2008 yep. to 2016, did a tremendous job. And he comes in here, and he, he should be able to work some magic. And defensively, I like Tim, Tim DeRuiter at the defense coordinator. He's been the head coach at Fresno from 2012 to 16. And uh, you look at the, what he inherits on defense, I think he's going to look pretty good this year. you got James Looney up front, uh, Cameron Saffold at the linebacker spot, a couple of the, the top players. And uh, special teams should be in pretty good shape. they got a good punter coming back in Matt Anderson, or kicker in Matt Anderson, and punter in Dylan Klump. So they should be okay in that area. Uh, the North is a tough division, though. And while Cal's number 25 receivers, number 48 of my defensive backs, uh, you look at their schedule this year, and they don't figure to be favored in too many games. 
Yeah, Phil, I'm glad you mentioned, too, as well, the uh, the new offensive coordinator that uh, Justin Wilcox brings in. Uh, I call a lot of FCS playoffs, as, as you know, um, uh, for the last many years uh, on ESPN and the months late November and on into December. And uh, certainly Bo Baldwin, there's a guy who head coach at Eastern Washington, Phil, in the FCS. He's had his squad in the playoffs virtually every year. But offensively, I mean, wow, last year, they average 42 points a game. He's all about, uh, you know, making things uh, really whirl at a, a breakneck speed offensively. So we'll see what kind of intangible that brings to uh, the the new program of Justin Wilcox in Berkeley. Phil, we do uh, win totals from our friends at South Point. And for Cal, as we look at the schedule, now they, they open up at North Carolina and then, interestingly, with uh, all uh, that is going on uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, in week three, they get Ole Miss at home. They also get USC at home the following week to start Pac-12 play. Phil, the South Point says uh, but three and a half for a win total this year. Now, at first blush, that sounds low. But as I look at the schedule, that that might that four area was uh, where I was thinking to expect in Justin Wilcox's first year. What about you? Uh, and I, I think there's a, a couple of toss-up games when you look at their schedule this year. They'll be favored over Weber State. Uh, the schedule maker did them no favors this year. I mean, uh, they draw USC at home, uh, which it's not really going to be a winnable game. In fact, they draw USC, UCLA, and Colorado, three of the top teams out of the South, North Carolina right. and Ole Miss and the non-conference mm-hmm. schedule. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss lost to Freeze. I don't think they're going to completely fall apart. They were picked last in their division, but I still think that program is ahead of where Cal is right now uh, as far as uh, rebuilding-wise. So I, when I look at the schedule, I'm looking for more of three wins this year, even though they had five last year and returned 14 starters. So I'm going to lean with the under in that one. It's just a tough schedule. Who they draw, you know, playing nine Pac-12 games with North Carolina and Ole Miss on the non-conference slate, you don't have a lot of games that are going to be favored in this year. Phil and I have our first uh, root beer sarsaparilla float uh, bet going. <laughs> I'm going to go over now. It might only be four, Phil, but I'm going to. I really like Justin Wilcox. Uh, I think he's got a great feel. Obviously, for the Pac-12, he spent his uh, a lot of his football life there, going back to his playing days. So, I'm going to say they go over and maybe grab a win we're not expecting in in uh, his first year at the hell. So that's the California Golden Bears story. We are delighted that you're with us here on Strong as Steel. And and by the way, when you check us out on iTunes and you can archive every we've done the Southeastern Conference, we've done the Big 10 already, we have also done the ACC and we've done the Big 12. But you haven't missed anything. You go to iTunes and they're all there to be archived. We also have a spot for you to uh, leave us a review. Give us an idea what your your thoughts are on Strong as Steel. If uh, you have uh, those type of comments, how we can make it better, what you appreciate, leave it for us quickly, and we certainly will pay close attention to that. Phil, we also have to pay close attention as we move on in the uh, Pac-12 North to our man Willie Taggart. It's his turn now to try to restore that strong quack of the Oregon Ducks. You like that, Phil? Get the quack back. For Willie Taggart. There you go. (laughs) All right. Uh, They fired head coach uh, Mark Helfrich. uh, And and Helfrich, Phil, 
I, you know, you look at it in a couple of ways you can look at it, and I know it's something that uh, you've pointed out in, uh, of course, Phil Steele's college football preview this year. Mark Helfrich was 24-4 and when he had Marcus Mariota uh, at the helm at uh, the quarterback position. 13-12, and though, without Mariota, who moved on to the NFL following the 14th season. Phil, I, you know, we look at Oregon. This looks to be a talent base that is veteran, experienced, number 21 in your experience chart. Are they ready to undertake or take that big step forward again and get back to where they were when Mariota was leading them to a championship play? Yeah, and I'm a big Willie Taggart fan. I uh, always enjoy my conversations dating back to his days at South Florida and uh, love the way he built that South Florida program. Look at the table he left for Charlie Strong. Oh, As yeah. he leaves there, I mean, Charlie Strong has got a chance of an undefeated season this year uh, because of the talent that uh, Taggart left there. But uh, I think Taggart steps into a pretty good situation. You know, here's an Oregon team that – uh, had won 11 and 13 and 12. There's always double-digit wins in the last two years, nine, and all the way down to four. They still have more talent than that. In fact, when you look at them offensively, they got my number one running backs in the Pac-12, number two receivers, number two offensive line. Uh, they do need uh, Justin Herbert to play well at the QB spot, and uh, I think he will. Last year he was thrown into the mix as a true freshman midseason, but they've got Royce Freeman back, Charles Nelson. They did lose Darren Carrington, their top receiver from last year, who uh, got suspended and booted off the team. But I still think they'll be okay at the receiver spot. And up front on the offensive line, they look pretty strong. Guys like Terrell Crosby last year took a medical redshirt. He was one of the better tackles in the country. He's an NFL prospect. He comes back. So when you look at returning starters, they have three up front, but really four because Crosby is a guy that was an all-conference and all-American candidate coming into last year. They've got Calvin Throckmorton at the right guard spot. He's somebody that's got NFL potential. And Jake Hansen at center, Shane Lemieux at uh, left guard, so very good on the offensive line. Now, up front on defense, they were poor last year. In fact, when I talked to Coach Taggart this year, he said one of their problems was they just weren't a strong team last year. They got pushed around the line of scrimmage, both offensive line, defensive line. They were training more for speed under Helfrich. Taggart's brought in a little bit more of the strength, and I think they will be stronger, both sides of the line of scrimmage. You look at up front on the defensive line, he brings in a guy like Jordan Scott, Jordan Scott fills a need. He's 6'1", 330 pounds, and he's ready to play as a true freshman. Uh, he's got a quick twitch, and uh, I think he can come in and shore up that run defense right away inside. They've got Troy Dyback at linebacker, inside linebacker, and a pair of solid cornerbacks. And a true freshman, Thomas Graham, who is a PS number 12 uh, guy, and then Arian Springs at the cornerback spot. So there's some talent. Now, Oregon's not got a defense that's going to compare with Washington and Stanford. Let's face it, they're not going to make that big of a jump. But they have an explosive offense. They'll have an improved defense. And I think they'll be one of the most improved teams in the country. So I'm very bullish on Oregon this year. Yeah, Phil, and, and listen, now we know you mentioned the defensive side of the football. I'm glad you mentioned uh, that hard-hitting linebacker, Troy Dye. Really like watching him. You're right. He's physical. He's about 230 pounds, and he was a freshman uh, All-American a year ago, true frost. So he's uh, expected to add some of that thump and power that you were talking about. But, Phil, I mean, you know, I, I listen, I, personnel can change. Willie Taggart, though, has got a chore ahead of him. They they gave up over 41 points a game a year ago, about 520 yards per game. And, well, if Oregon's going to make a move, Taggart's, uh, you know, certainly 
certainly needs to get that defense a little bit more respectable, doesn't he? You know, and one of my favorite pages in the magazine, Michael, is my projected stats. And uh, the projected stats, which is on page 43, and if you're I'm sure you got the magazine there, so do check out page 43. And why is this one of my favorite pages? Well, I really go into a lot of detail. I put the entire 12-game schedule in, and it's not just taking strength of opponent by a power rating. It's looking at, okay, what kind of rush defenses is this rush offense taking on? And each game it projects. It shows you, you know, a projected rush, projected pass, projected points for every game. And same thing on defense. Well, when I add up Oregon's defense this year, they will have one of the most improved defenses in the country. In fact, my computer, and as I mentioned, I'm not calling for them to be Washington or Stanford, but how about taking that 41 points per game down to 33, the 518 yards per game down to 438. Much more respectable. And when you pair that with an offense that I think will generate over 500 yards per game and 41 points per game, I think you can have a successful Oregon team this year. Yeah, and you mentioned Justin Herbert, the quarterback as well. Uh, got some time and he made seven starts last year. Nice 19 to 4 TD interception ratio. What kind of step forward can he take? Will go a long way as well on the offensive side of the ball to decide the, uh, the Oregon fortunes. Phil, uh, non-conference for the Ducks. Welcome Nebraska into Eugene. Have to go to Wyoming. A very tough place to play. Very good football team. Very strong quarterback there. So when we look at uh, South Point, South Point has the win total at seven and a half for Oregon. Uh, Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Especially when you look at a couple probably at least I don't know. What would you say, Phil? Four games for sure they're going to be a dog in? Uh, I've got them a dog in three games this year. At three games, okay. Uh, uh, Now, keep in mind the the Nebraska game there, which they get week two. Mm -hmm. If you watch last year's Nebraska game, that thing went right down to the wire. In fact, Mm -hmm. it could have gone either way. Nebraska pulled out the win at home. Now the Ducks get them at home in Autzen, which is one of the loudest stadiums in the entire country. So I think I have the Ducks favored over Nebraska in that week two game. That's probably where we differ. Okay. All right. Uh, yep. That was the one that I thought they might be a slight dog. Uh, uh, you like then the over that seven and a half. Can you see Taggart getting to eight wins or better here in his first year at the helm? Yeah. And interestingly, the top seven and a half, they're going to have to double last year's win total. I think Taggart gets it done. Big Willie Taggart fan. Love the talent they have. Big upgrade in the coaching, I feel. And uh, I like the Ducks to uh, to be a surprise, most improved team. And they actually made my surprise team list. So uh, keep your eyes on the Ducks. A lot of value on them, especially early in the season. Oh, yeah, we will do exactly that. Uh, I uh, might come down to uh, October 14th, October 21st at Stanford, at UCLA, back-to-back. Two weeks later, have to go into Seattle to play Washington. Going to have to win one of those football games, uh, the way I see it, to be able to reach that eight-win plateau and then not stumble anywhere else in the ones that uh, they're favored in. All right, that's the story for Willie Taggart in Oregon. As we roll on here uh, on Strong as Steel, we're doing the Pac-12 North today. It's alphabetically on this Monday, July 24th. And uh, just love to have all of you with us as you're a big part of what we look to do. And we'll go right through the preseason. And uh, we'll start that final week in August as the regular season begins. A lot of games on Thursday, August 31st, just a little bit over a month away. 
Let's stay in the state of Oregon, Phil. And uh, now we travel from Eugene to Corvallis and uh, check in with uh, the Beavers of Oregon State. No bowl appearances. Last three years in Corvallis. And the third-year head coach uh, begins, third year begins with uh, head coach Gary Anderson, of course. All you Big Ten fans remember Anderson at Wisconsin in the 13 and 14 seasons. Phil, three quarterbacks made starts last year. None of them really stood out. I really like the running backs. I know you and I have talked a lot about Ryan Knoll and Artavis Pierce. They combined for 1,400 yards and seven TDs and right about six yards per total of the football last year. Now, the defense gave up 30 points plus in games seven times last year. So when you put this entire thing into the mix, establish a quarterback, maybe lean on the run game, hopefully get that D a little bit more stout. What are we talking about here, Phil, for this edition of Oregon State under Gary Anderson? Well, I can tell you, Oregon State fans are fully expecting a bowl game this year and uh, a winning season. Uh, when you look at the what the makeup of the team, as you touched on, three quarterbacks last year, and they also add in Jake Luton, who's a Idaho transfer, big kid, six seven, two thirty, looked good in the spring game, could very well win the job. So I think they're extremely deep at the uh, quarterback position at running back. Ryan Nall is a guy that probably projects as a fullback for the NFL, but Mm -hmm. he is a powerful weapon, and he's got some speed. He made some long runs last year where he was outrunning defensive backs. Artavius Pierce is a guy who's a great uh, guy that's got a little bit better burst, uh, hits the hole quickly, and then they add in perhaps Thomas Tyner of Oregon who came out of retirement and should be eligible to play this year. That would be interesting. So I like what they have in the backfield. You look at them up front on the offensive line. Got a guy like Blake Brandle at the left tackle spot. Uh, I think they have a decent offensive line, and defensively should be stronger. Xavier Crawford, probably the best cover corner uh, that they had last year, 6-1, 188, uh, did well as a, uh, a redshirt frosh, and, and I think he could be in poise for a big season as a sophomore. And uh, there's some talent up front, like Baker Pritchard and uh, Craig Evans. Uh, I think they have some some decent guys there, 15 returning starters overall. Not thrilled with the way the schedule necessarily works out because, you know, when you host teams like Washington and Stanford, you better win those games because if you don't win those games, now your winnable games are on the road. And they actually have five Pac-12 road games this year. So the Pac-12 schedule is not kind to them unless they were to pull an upset or two and knock off a team like a USC or, excuse me, a Washington or a Stanford at home. Yeah, and, and, and Phil, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I'd be safe to say that uh, Gary Anderson is going to need a, you know, a, a pleasant surprise, as you said and alluded to the Oregon State fans. It'll make them feel real good about what they have at uh, the quarterback position. But maybe they can lean heavily on Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce and uh, keep that run game real, real strong and kind of carry the load early on for them. Uh, over under the win total for the the Beavers of Oregon State, Phil, is, uh, from the gang at South Point, is set at five and a half. Now, you mentioned some of the trips that they have to take, five of them, as you said. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm tending to lean toward the under here, Phil, for Washington State, and uh, which might come a little bit short of getting them that, that bowl appearance they're looking for. 
Yeah, I think they have the talent to potentially get to six. I think it's a tough one to call, but I've got a lot of toss-up games on their schedule, Michael. I mean, they should beat Portland State. I've got the Minnesota game at home as a toss-up game. The Gophers are going to be tough this year with P.J. Fluck. I've got the Colorado game at home. Toss-up game. You know, Colorado was in the Pac-12 title game last year. Yes, they lost a lot, but they they still have their head coach, which, you know, they're in pretty good shape there. And Colorado beat them 47-6 to last year. You've got the uh, Arizona game on the road, which is a toss-up up game. Arizona's thinking they can win that one. They've got Arizona State at home. And, uh, you know, if you compare talent for talent, Arizona State's got better talent than Oregon State. But, of course, it's in November in Oregon, so weather could be a factor there. But a lot of toss-up games on the schedule. I could see the possibility of them getting to a bowl, but for Oregon State to get to a bowl game this year, they're going to have to win pretty much all the toss-up games. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to lean with the under 5.5 this year. All right, we'll see if Gary Anderson and uh, the Beavers can uh, make Phil and I have to uh, eat those words. We're both going to go under with Oregon State here in this 2016 football season. They'll be an interesting watch, as will all in the Pac-12. And I get asked all the time here on Strong as Steel, Greg, I want to go see my favorite football team, whether it's uh, Auburn in the SEC or Wisconsin in the Big Ten or North Carolina in the ACC, maybe even those Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12. I've got just the ticket for you. How do you do that? the best, most efficient way possible. It's from our friends at SeatGeek. That's right. You haven't heard of them? You better hear of them. We're going to make you hear of them right here on Strong as Steel. SeatGeek, they're the smartest, easiest, and yes, most effective way to get the seats you want, not just for college football and sporting events, concerts, theater, too. SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience allows you to buy and sell the tickets that you want, the seats you want, to the events that you want with just a couple of taps on your mobile device. Fully guaranteed, you see your favorite team or musician as you instantly find the seats that you want, right? I'm going to go check out Bruno Mars a little bit later on this summer. How do I get the seats I want? From the good folks at SeatGeek. You have to make them your go-to app. It'll save you time and money. On every type ticket event that you're looking for, you save time, you save that money, and I've got an even... The coup de gras, the best part of your Seat Geek experience. You're as strong as steel listener. We love that about you. We want to reward you for that. So do the good folks at Seat Geek. So here it is. For you strong as steel listeners, you get 20 bucks off. That's right, $20 off your first Seat Geek purchase. Download the Seat Geek app, enter the promo code STEEL. STEEL, S T E E L E, and you get 20 bucks off. No questions asked. Be front and center. At the events you want, the seats you want, the prices that are most affordable you want, do it the best way, do it the only way with the good folks at SeatGeek. Great to have you along, everybody. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our intrepid producer, Jim Nabosma, at the helm for you here as we're going through on this Monday, July 24th, the, uh, the Pac-12, the North Division. So we've uh, got halfway home with California, Oregon, and Oregon State. Phyllis continued on, and when we say the name David Shaw, I tell you, that brings as much head coaching cachet as any, I believe, in the FBS to uh, Palo Alto with the Stanford Cardinal. How about this, Phil, for his first six years as he took over for Jim Harbaugh uh, after he worked with Harbaugh on the staff at, uh, at Stanford? Here's his win total, 11, 12, 
11, 8, 12, and 10. That's 64 win, folks, overall. Finished uh, number 16 in 2016 with that thrilling Sun Bowl win over Mitchell Trubisky in North Carolina. Now, they won six of their last seven, right? Uh, Keller Christ is kind of in the Andrew Andrew Luck, Kevin Hogan size mold. They love the big quarterbacks at Stanford. Harbaugh started that with Andrew Luck, and Christ is entrenched there. Now, Phil, everybody, well, Christian McCaffrey's gone. Uh, he's with, uh, now we know, the Carolina Panthers uh, with his multiple skills in the NFL. Solomon Thomas, number two overall pick in the draft, is gone. A very disruptive D-line force for Stanford. But, Phil, it's David Shaw, man. And as I said, I would never tell you, I don't care who leaves, that David Shaw isn't going to uh, be threatening a double-digit win season be threatening a Pac-12 crown, and be threatening to be in the college football playoffs. I think he's that good as a head coach. What about you? Yeah, one of the best in the game, clearly. And, uh, you know, you go back to his first year, I didn't expect much out of Stanford in 2011, got him to 11 wins, and this guy's just a student of the game. He does a great job recruiting. In fact, Stanford's got such strict academic standards uh, that it's tough to win big there, but Coach Shaw has turned that into a positive. If you're on the borderline to come out with a Stanford degree, you're going to Stanford. And and so if he gets the uh, the guys in that level, uh, he, he's going to win it every time. You talked about the quarterbacks. Keller Chris is 6'5", K.J. Costello 6'5", Ryan Burns 6'5", Davis Mills 6'4", uh, Jack Richardson 6'4". Yeah, those are the type of quarterbacks they recruit. And keep in mind, Ryan Burns started the first seven games last year. Now, Chris missed all of spring. Uh, missed a good portion of the summer as well. Hopefully he'll be back 100%. That could be a key to their season. Bryce Love is a guy who I just did an article on ESPN.com with my Heisman uh, uh, guys that are value plays. He's 100-1. to I give Bryce Love a chance. I think you're going to see him in the kick return game, the punt return game. You know, he's not as big as McCaffrey. He's only 5'10", 191, but he's got a little more burst. And uh, I asked Coach Shaw this year, when this spring when I met with him, can he handle the load? And he said, most definitely. This guy can be the feature back. They also have Trevor Speets at the running back spot, Cam, Cameron Scarlett. So they've got depth, but I think Love will have a big year. Off You look at the receiving core, the, this, the one advantage Stanford has, I think, when you – match them up against the other teams is every coach out there is taking their they've got a weak side linebacker middle linebacker and then your strong side linebacker who used to be a sturdy guy is now more of a a quasi linebacker safety type who's a little bit smaller a little bit quicker to cover all these spread offenses out there well when you line up against Stanford you're facing two three tight ends in a game you really don't even have the personnel to match up with Stanford so they can run the ball down your throat like they've done many times and I think Dalton Schultz is an outstanding tight end Caden Smith, who is my number PS number two uh, tight end, he's a redshirt freshman that I think will come in and have a great season. Scooter Harrington, they're loaded at tight end. You'll see that again. They've got some uh, explosiveness with Trent Irwin, who should have a breakout year this year. He's got great hands, and then up front on the offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the country. In fact, they're rated number sixteen. Everybody's thinking who's going to replace Solomon Thomas. I'm looking for a big year out of Harrison Phillips this year. He's in. Another kid with good size on the defensive line that can get penetration playing inside. They've got my number two rated linebacking core in the country. And perhaps their best linebackers, 
might be the backups who are vying for time. So not only do they have four outstanding starters, they've got four guys behind them that could steal time this year. That's a deep linebacking core. And then you look at the secondary. Holder and Meeks at cornerback. Reed at the free safety spot. They've got my number four secondary in the country. And, of course, if, if Coach Shaw is the head coach, he'll have a good special teams. I'll rate him number 43. So this is a dangerous Stanford team. They do have to play USC on the road this year. Uh, San Diego State on the road, Utah on the road, but I think uh, the USC game is the only one I have an underdog there. And to me, the North comes down to November the 10th, and Stanford hosts Washington this year. Keep in mind, I know Washington beat them 44-6 to last year, but Stanford was off a big game against USC, a big game against UCLA, and was missing their top two cornerbacks, and Washington just spanked them. I think Stanford will play a, a little bit better at home this year. Yeah, Phil, I'm with you, and I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, I was going to had you not, and, of course, uh, you're all over it. But And, Phil, those last year, that was uh, – so this is what Stanford opened up with, right? Kansas State, as we know, USC at UCLA at Washington. Come on, Phil, those are the first four weeks. And, of course, David Shaw and his guys didn't blink an eye. Now, as we said, uh, what uh, they – they were able to put uh, three of those in the win column. You said the big loss at Washington. I'm with you. I think they, uh, again, they threatened double-digit wins. That's why the gang at South Point has the win total at nine. You know, Phil, I know, uh, uh, again, it, uh, I don't think college football fans realize you you win 10 football games. You know, to go 10-2, and two, you got to have a lot of good fortune every year, and these are based on the regular season. But, Phil, you think I'm not going to go over nine with David Shaw at the helm? No way. I'm going to say he gets to 10 and uh, has, again, uh, a Pac-12 championship and could be in all the shouting come uh, late November, early December for the CFP. Yeah, and last year they were number 122 on my experience chart. This year they move up to number 49. Uh, and I'm definitely going with over nine for Stanford. I'd I say 10 is uh, the minimum for them this season. Yeah, and of course, uh, as we know, you know, Notre Dame will uh, visit um, uh, Palo Alto on the final game of the regular season. So uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. It always is for David Shaw, who, you know, very unassuming, flies under the radar. But as Phil and I have pointed out, wow, what a, what a phenomenal football coach with uh, – the entrance requirements and the academic requirements, uh, very strict to be sure, uh, not just about playing football if you're a Stanford Cardinal. All right, so that's a story for David Shaw and his football team as we roll through the, the uh, Pac-12 North. Phil, let's uh, take it a little bit north from uh, Stanford, California, and it's time to uh, take a look at the team that we've just alluded to. And uh, that would be the Washington Huskies. Chris Peterson's group, could we be discussing yet another college football playoff berth in December for Chris Peterson in Washington? 12-2 and last year, Phil. Huge Pac-12 title game, blowout of Colorado. And then, of course, the, uh, the CFP loss to Alabama. Jake Browning, the quarterback, the trigger man, brilliant 2016 Phil, that 43-9 to touchdown-interception ratio was superb. 3,400-plus yards with a run game that sizzled, too. I like the fact that he hit almost 63% of his throws, very accurate with his ball placement. They got a re- the re- Miles Gaskin and Levant Coleman, Phil, 
combined for 2,200 yards and 17 TDs. They averaged 42 points a game last year. Now the question for you, though, they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. No doubt about that uh, with Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin and company. Can Washington maintain that lofty status and be a legitimate college football playoff hopeful again, Phil? Well, you know, Michael, everybody asks me every year, who's who's your favorite team or do I have a favorite team? And I always right. answer, yes, emphatically, I have a favorite team. And they're like all anxious and, what's your favorite team, Phil? And I'm like, whoever <laughs> I picked higher than everybody else. So last year, my favorite team was the Washington Huskies because right. they were coming off a 7-6 and six season. And I had my number one surprise team in the country. Did a lot of radio shows. They're like, seriously, Washington's a playoff contender. They were seven and six last year, Phil. And sure enough, they make the playoffs. And who knows how far they they would have gone? I mean, they lost their top two defensive players during the year. Uh, their defensive end Joe Mathis, their top pass rusher, went down after five starts. Azim Victor, their top linebacker, went down after ten starts. And their defense wasn't as good at the end of the season. Still good, but not not as dominant. And offensively, Jake Browning got injured. In fact, he hurt his shoulder against Arizona State. Wasn't a hundred percent the rest of the season. You look at his numbers after Arizona State; they weren't overwhelming. One hundred eighteen yards against Colorado, one hundred and fifty against Alabama. He had shoulder surgery. Uh, January the 18th and looks to be back to that 100% form and uh, could even improve upon last year's numbers. 42-9 is going to be tough to beat, but uh, especially without John Ross, a receiver, but they've got talent. Dante Pettis uh, is a, a dangerous receiver. Tight end Drew Sample. They've got Miles Gaskin and LeVon Coleman in the backfield and a big old veteran offensive line. I thought in the first half of the year the offensive line played great. Uh, the offensive line struggled a little bit, like against USC and later against Alabama. Of course, who's going to run the ball in that Alabama defense? But I think they've got one of the better offensive lines in the country this year, rate of number 17. Defensively, they get Victor back. They've got uh, Vita Vea at the defensive tackle spot. And if you just if you're interested in next year's NFL, watch this guy. I mean, he's six five. 344 pounds. You can't coach 6'5", 344, but he has unlimited potential. He's got better technique this year, and I think he's going to be one of the most dominant interior defensive linemen out there. They've got Greg Gaines coming at you from the outside along with Keyshawn Vieira. So it's a very talented Washington team. My two biggest question marks with them, who's going to replace John Ross at the uh, receiver spot, and then who's going to replace all those guys in the secondary? I mean, let's face it, they had the best secondary college football last year. They lose some big-time guys out the door, uh, like Buda Baker is gone, Kelvin King is gone, Sidney Jones is gone, and these are all guys that got drafted in the NFL in the first couple of rounds. So that's some primetime talent that are lost. Now, the non-conference schedule, very manageable. Rutgers, Montana, Fresno State, no problems whatsoever. You look at their conference schedule, this time they avoid USC, which is a nice thing to happen. Really, the biggest question mark you have all season, and we just talked about it, November 10th when they have to travel to Stanford. But uh, I think Washington and Stanford are right up there, and that game is going to determine who wins the North. Oh, yeah, no no doubt about that. Pac-12 is going to be very intriguing, uh, especially the North, as Phil laid out. Phil mentioned a couple of defensive players. Again, put a gold star and highlight them, because when you turn on the tape and look at Mike Linebacker, uh, Azeem Victor, wow, what a deluxe hitter. Phil mentioned he was injured last year. Just a wrecking crew at 230 pounds. And, uh, Phil, I agree with you about that secondary with all those losses, uh, Baker, King, and Jones, but... 
Hey, Taylor Rapp is legit. He's another one that jumps at you off tape. The free safety had four picks last year, always around the football. So those are two guys defensively to really keep an eye on. Phil, uh, the win total is uh, they're not going to let Washington off easy. If you want uh, Washington and you say, I'm going to make money on the over, you only can be afforded one slip-up then in the regular season. And these numbers are based on, folks, by the way, just to be clear, the 12-game regular season. Got them at 10, Phil, which means if you're going over, it's got to be an 11-1 and to collect. How you like it? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the over. And even though I, I think you hit it correctly on the head a few teams ago, when you mentioned that people don't really realize how tough it is to get to those double-digit wins, to get to 11 wins, because everything has to go well. You could be favored in 11 games, but there's always going to be that one-off game somewhere along the line. But when I look at Washington this year, I've got them a touchdown favorite in 11 games. So if you're a touchdown favorite in 11 games, I'm going to go with over 10 for Washington. Yeah, I am too. Uh, As you said, you pointed out uh, very aptly that not having to – see USC this year because remember in November last year well that was the one that USC went into Seattle and spanked Washington so they don't get a chance to avenge uh, that one this year of course and unless it were to be in the uh, the Pac-12 championship game which we'll we'll get to as uh, our Pac-12 assessments roll on Phil I'm with you I really uh, you know that uh, going 11 and 1 isn't easy you just laid it out we we know that yet I'm going to go over as well Chris Peterson doing a terrific job. He's got all the potency. And I I would imagine they're thinking in Seattle, though, just let us stay healthy. Last year, those injuries, I think by the time they they, uh, went and saw Alabama in the CFP, it kind of caught up to them, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, I thought they played a very good game against Alabama. Uh, In fact, you know, if not for the interception late in the second quarter where you're wondering why they're throwing the football, and then, boom, Alabama gets a defensive touchdown. And then in the fourth quarter, still in the game, had Alabama pinned at the two-yard line. Bama gets a, a third-and-nine run by Scarborough to get the first down. Basically, they were just running in the line of scrimmage to get away from the, the end of the goal line, but they got a first down out of it. And two plays later, Scarborough broke off that long touchdown run, which basically ended the game. Mm-hmm. But a couple plays here or there, they could have yep. been in that one. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so uh, we're both going over then with uh, to make everybody, all of you Husky fans, uh, the, the fans of the dogs in Seattle, you'll like that. I think they're primed to have another fantastic year. I wouldn't be surprised to, as Phil and I have been pointing out, to see them once again right there in that hunt uh, to be a college football playoff entrance. Strongest Steel allows you uh, the opportunity to uh, – Give yourself the best advantage. We, we want you to always, always be primed with every bit of information that you need as you approach uh, your favorite teams on a college football weekend. That's why we're doing all these previews for you here in uh, the month of July and on into August. And there's another way, too, that I, I, you'll go over and above even an ardent college football fan. Phil, tell everybody about InsideThePressBox.com a part of your services that, as I said, you'll put a college football fan over the top with everything he or she needs. Yeah, you guys already know that uh, the magazine has got three to four times the amount of information any other magazine out there. Well, InsideThePressBox.com is a place to go. You get samples of the newsletter. 
Uh, and it's a weekly newsletter. And the good thing is, you know, if you like to analyze the games yourself, you'll love this. It's got every stat that you can want in front of you, strength of opponents, stats from the year, uh, individual game grades. It's all right there on the pages. But then the a couple of crucial factors, which I like. My, my computer forecasts the game, and not just the score of the game, but the yards rushing, yards passing, points, everything is involved in that. And you'll get my computer's forecast, and then you'll get my forecast on the game. And I don't always agree with the computer. We've had a lot of tense Saturdays where <laughs> we disagree on some big games, but uh, I think it really gives you the complete package, and you'll feel fully informed each and every week. And if you go to InsideThePressBox.com right now, uh, you can get yourself $20 off either the college, the NFL, or both uh, by simply typing in the uh, code word football. That's football when you go to InsideThePressBox.com to get $20 off. Got to do it. It uh, puts you over the top in terms of your knowledge and your capabilities going in to assessing each and every one of your your favorite games. We stay in the state of Washington as we finish off the North Division of the Pac-12. So from Seattle, let's uh, take a little trip into Pullman, where we, we, we shake hands and share a laugh with, I think, one of the most uh, charismatic characters, and I say character in a most admirable fashion on the head coaching side, Mike Leach. Always brings the entertainment value to college football with his Washington State Cougars. Starting his sixth year as Leach in Pullman, Eight and five, Phil, a year ago on that Holiday Bowl of uh, birth in 2016. Quarterback Luke Falk, really one to watch for this football team. Big, strong gunslinger that can uh, bring the heat throwing the football. He spurned the NFL, Phil. He could have taken uh, those talents to the National Football League. Wants another year with Mike Leach. Uh, they have three top running backs returning. As we said, Falk was terrific a year ago. Tavares Martin, a quality receiver. I look at the defense, Phil, and uh, you always point this out, and it's something they bring nine of their top ten tacklers back. But in that division, Washington, Stanford, how realistic is it for Mike Leach to be able to get uh, among the top of that tough Pac-12 North when all the shouting is done? Uh, I think the potential is there. I didn't call for it this year, but uh, you got to like the makeup of this Washington State team. And remember last year, uh, at one point, Washington State was 8-2, and two, and they were actually in contention in the North. In fact, everybody looking ahead to the big Apple Cup game with Washington, they went on the road to Colorado and lost. But still, had they beaten Washington, they would have won the Pac-12 North they just got trounced by Washington at home, 45-17. to 17. And then, shockingly, in the bowl game, Luke Falk, those explosive receivers like Gabe Marks, taking on a suspension-riddled Minnesota secondary. Yeah. And Washington State put up 303 yards and 16 first downs and 12 points for the game. And one of those touchdowns was actually late. I think they trailed something like 17-6, got a late touchdown. A shocking bowl game in a game that uh, you would have expected them to throw for over 500 yards in that game game alone. Now, Luke Falk is back. I think he made the correct decision. Uh, NFL guys, you know, they always look at 
system quarterbacks. Falk is definitely a system quarterback, but he's also 6'4", 225. He's got a lot of the things the NFL guys are looking at, and they're intrigued. Uh, the NFL guys I've talked to are thinking this is one guy that can buck that system quarterback. Uh, your Texas Tech, your Washington State QBs of the past, so keep your eyes on him. Now, they don't have any star running backs. There's still a 1,000-yard rusher there, but they are a completely underrated running back court. James Williams, Gerard Wicks and Jamal Morrow are three guys that last year combined to rush for over 1,500 yards and get 1,000 yards receiving. Now, if that was just one running back, he'd be an All-American. They got three of them that do it. In fact, it was the first time that a leech team ever averaged uh, tw- over 20 points per game, uh, or 20 carries per game, I should say, running the football. He was that confident, and th- all three guys are back. They do lose Gabe Marks, but I like the receiving core. Then up front, they've got Cody O'Connell, who projects he, he is a guard there's no doubt about it. i watched him play tackle in the spring game he looked out of place this guy is a powerful guard though an all-american guard uh he is six foot eight 370 pounds you talk about a house that's this guy and now he's in his second year as a full-time starter here i think he has another all-american year behind him they do have to replace uh two starters on the offensive front but they look solid in fact uh all four units on the offense ranking my top units. Now, Alex Grinch came in as a defensive coordinator two years ago, and he's done a very good job. Washington State never had a good defense. I mean, they gave up 38.6 points per game the year prior to him arriving. They've given up 27 and 26 the last two years. And now, as you touched on, nine returning starters on defense. The aptly named Hercules Maatafa is at the defensive <laughs> end spot. It. And he is he is strong, and that's a good thing. Uh, he, he is a guy that uh, could be a Solomon Thomas type uh, on the defensive line. They've got Peyton uh, Pilar at the uh, linebacker spot and a pretty good secondary. I like Marcellus Pippins and Darian Moulton at cornerback, Jalen Thompson, Robert Taylor. It's the safety, so it's a veteran group. And uh, overall, this is a Washington State that uh, could be one of those contenders in the North this year. Yeah, those three running backs, uh, love that you pointed out uh, the combined numbers because uh, although Leach you know, wants Luke Falk to be firing it all over the lot, they can lean on that. Gabe Marks taking those uh, impressive numbers and his talents to the National Football League. Phil, do you think that Tavares Martin, who last year was the number two behind Marks, 64 catches, seven TDs. Can can he get up into that area that Marks was with almost 90 receptions and uh, at 13 TDs a year ago? Yes, absolutely. In fact, in the Washington State offense, they throw the football so many times, somebody's going to catch the passes. And when you look at uh, T.J. Martin, he's the guy who's the fastest wide receiver on the team. He's six foot one. He's got great body control. And I thought he did well last year in the shadow of Marks, getting his 64 receptions. I think he does. Uh, become the top guy this year, although they do bring in a couple of JUCOs and Isaiah Johnson-Mack and Aesop Winston, who might have something to say about it as well. Okay, let's take a look at the schedule, Phil. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Leach, uh, he, he got the uh, the AD's attention because, Phil, they, they don't even leave home. They, they don't even leave Martin Stadium uh, in Pullman until the month of October. I mean, they've got the first five at home. Now, that includes USC on a Friday night. Uh, that will on September the 29th before they go to Oregon and Cal. South Point says seven for Mike Leach at the, as the win total this year. Boy, again, that's of course that's what they do. That's why they're so good. But that's right in that area. Uh, going to probably have to win a game that we didn't think and project they would to get to eight. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I think so, because I do have an underdog in five games. Now, do keep in mind, last year uh, they were an underdog uh, versus Oregon. They were an underdog at Stanford, delivered big wins in those. They beat Stanford 42-16 to last year. Stanford was down their top two cornerbacks, but it was more cornerbacks, but they played uh, much better than that. When you look at their schedule this year, they'll be an underdog home against USC. They'll come into that game 4-0, I think. Uh, even though Boise and Oregon State are on there, I think they're 4-0 when they host USC. They do have to play Oregon on the road. I talked before how loud Outson Stadium is and how loaded Oregon is this year. So those are going to be two tough games. There'll be a dog in Stanford at home. I think there'll be a dog in that game, despite the fact it's in November. So, I mean, the, the weather could favor them. They have to play Utah on the road then and then Washington on the road mm-hmm. the season final. So I do think there'll be an underdog in five games. Okay, so uh, what you're saying, though, over seven, under seven for you, Phil? I'm saying seven. So uh, if, oh. if they had that option there, you had fence that option, rider, I would you? play it. Well, you know, it's a I six, didn't never six, thought six, Phil Steele would ride a fence and straddle. Six team that we've talked about here. I've been <laughs> strong on the other five. And this one, if you would have said seven and a half, I would have said under. If you would have said six and a half, I would have said over. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, we, we don't stay on that fence there, buddy. Wait. Sure. <laughs> what are you doing, Michael? <laughs> Much as I like Mike Leach, I'm going to go under. I, I see a six and six here. And um, uh, again, listen, not that they're not capable, but I mean, this is, you know, uh, I, first of all, you know, do you see them beating Washington or Stanford? As you said, now they, they got Stanford at home, and I always look at uh, a, a squad zone division first. I'm going to say no to both of those two. Uh, at Oregon is going to be difficult. At Utah is going to be very difficult. So I'm going to go more in the line of six and six, and I'm going to go under uh, for Mike Leach this year. But if he can get to six, it'll more than likely, uh, once again, get him to a bowl game. So that's the story for the Pac-12 North. And, again, we do it alphabetically for you. So, Phil, to kind of put a big bow on the North and wrap it up, both – Washington and Stanford, uh, you know, again, those two have set themselves apart. Uh, Probably not anything else happening to represent the North of the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I I don't see anybody else but those two. Are you along those same lines? November 10th, Friday night, popcorn, Stanford hosts in Washington. Big game. That's it, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's the one, and we'll kind of – We'll kind of hone in on that, but that's uh, that comes uh, virtually uh, 11 weeks uh, leading up to that for both those football teams, Washington, Stanford. That's the Pac-12 North. Phil, terrific job. Again, check uh, Phil out all over the ESPN family and networks, television, radio, and, uh, of course, all of his writings as well that you can't do without on ESPN. Phil, tomorrow we'll come back and uh, finish off the Pac-12, take a look at the South, see where that goes. Good job, young man. Get your rest, and we'll uh, we'll look to see you again tomorrow, all right? Sounds great, Michael. Great job yourself, my young man. All right. I like that young man stuff. Don't get too much of that these days. A big thank you to Phil Steele, the preeminent analyst all over the world of college football. Make sure you get him on ESPN and inside uh, the pressbox.com. And of course, right here, right here on Strong as Steel each and uh, every week is uh, we'll get into 90 minute shows as we start uh, late August, uh, our uh, regular season version of Strongest Steel. And up until then, remember iTunes, iTunes.com. You can uh, archive every one 
of our previews. We started a couple of weeks ago with the SEC, went through uh, the Big Ten, went through the ACC and the Big 12, and of course, um, now we're uh, going to finish up the uh, the Pac-12, and that'll be tomorrow on Tuesday uh, with a look at the Pac-12 South. For our producer, Jim Nabosna, who does such a terrific job, make sure you check out our, our wonderful sponsors, our gang at SeatGeek. They're always there for you. Check out the app at SeatGeek.com. For Jim Nabosna, for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. Have yourself a terrific college football day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow with the uh, the Pac-12 South right here on Strong as Steel. Till then, so long, everyone.